1: its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion.
2: Now the thing about time is that time isn't really real. It's just your point of view. How does it feel for you? Einstein said he could never understand it all. Planets spin through space.
3: Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor.
4: Welcome. I am your host, Jay Taylor. I'm also the editor of Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks newsletter. That's a weekly and a monthly newsletter. And to learn more about my work as well as the work of two partners of mine, Chen Lin and Roger Wiegand, who Both publish very excellent newsletters. You should go to MiningStocks.com, MiningStocks.com, that's for me and for Chen, and go to WeBeatTheStreet.com, WeBeatTheStreet.com for Roger Wiegand and myself. You can sign up for special trial offers if you've never tried our newsletter before. We make some introductory, lower-priced introductory offers available to you. You can call my assistant, Claudio Bossi, in New York, in Queens, New York, that number is 718 457 1426. 718 457 1426. Call during the normal working hours uh, Monday through Friday. Well, another a website where I am prominently featured and where I provide a daily blog is J Taylor Media. That's J A Y Taylor com. And on that uh, blog, we have some very interesting, I think, controversial topics popping up. We had, for example, Uh, a reader named Bob, who suggested, uh, very contrary to my beliefs that, in fact, the reason we're having trouble is because we haven't had enough regulation. The government has been lax and hasn't cared uh, to regulate uh, the bad guys. In essence, he's saying that the uh, derivatives, if we had only regulated the derivatives, we would not have the problems we're having now. At least that's part of Bob's uh, claim. And um, we'd welcome you to come and, and look at our website and participate in our blog. uh, We want it to become interactive. Uh, We like controversy as long as it remains civil. We want people to be respectful of one another, but we really do like to have various ideas. You know, we don't think anyone has a corner on the truth, so it's good to air different ideas. And if we're open-minded, we might just learn something from people we disagree with from time to time. And I try to remind myself of that on a regular basis uh, as I go forward in my life. Another website where my daily blog appears is goldinvestor.com. That's goldinvestor.com, and there's lots of information about gold and gold mining at goldinvestor.com, some information there that helps you as a a layperson understand the nuances of gold mining. That's at goldinvestor.com. Also, to keep track of companies that are on my radar screen, and we've come up with some really good ones. Some of of these companies... um, on uh, that are at jayswatchlist.com that's j a y s watchlist.com have made it into my newsletter and uh, to be uh really out of sort of out of uh, the ordinary i i introduced a coal mining company to my to my newsletter this last week a coal mining company that's selling at 12 cents a share starting production has some of the highest quality high btu low sulfur coal in the world and they're in kentucky and one i think is very very interesting $0.12 cents a share, if they execute their business plan, I think this could be a huge winner, but that's just one of many examples of companies that are at jayswatchlist.com, some of which will make their way into my newsletter into the future. Well, I want to thank each of you again for listening to this show. If I didn't have some ears out there listening to to me blabber and to, our more importantly, our guests who have a lot more uh, good things to say than I do, um, if you weren't there listening, there would be no reason for us to have this show. We also want to thank, of course, our sponsors, Apollo Gold, Bonterra Resources, Hawthorne Gold, Metanor Resources, Pediment Gold, Palangelo Explorations, and Sandgold.
5: <clears throat>
4: well, this week we do, do not have any significant news uh, from our sponsors to tell you about, but we do have uh, Dale Ginn. He's the president of, um, of Sandgold with us today. Sandgold, as I just noted, is one of our sponsors uh welcome, Dale, to turning hard times into good times. Hi, Jay. Thank you. Uh, it's really great to to have you on again. Uh, are you up in uh, up at the mine today in in Manitoba?
6: <laughs> well, actually, I'm on my way, and that that's why you're here a bit of background. I'm I'm on the road at the moment.
4: Oh, okay. Well, we'll we'll do the best we can. You're on your cell, then. Is that it?
6: That's correct. Yeah.
4: Okay. Well, Dale, you've had uh, some good news, a lot of very exciting news come out. Of course, you've had some, some great drill intercepts, and we want to ask you about that in a minute or two, but I'd like to first focus on your third quarter earnings report. You did come out, You um, compared to last year's third quarter, you had 8,398 ounces of gold production. That compares to 2,276 for the like period of 2008. Your revenues went up to 8.8 million. That compared with $2.1 million in the like period of 2008, you had a loss of $0.02, cents, that's down from $0.04. Cents, but more importantly, and what I focused on and what seems to be uh, very important in my, from my perspective, is an operating profit, I believe the first operating profit you've had in your history, of $249,000, and that compared with an operating loss of $10.6 million last year. Now, of course, $249,000 is not a big deal in terms of the absolute numbers, but it's the direction of things. So um, I want to congratulate you on, on turning things uh, positive here. At least it looks like that. You said in your press release, uh, and I quote, you said of note during the quarter is an operational profit, signifying what management expects is an inflection point toward higher levels of performance. There is a significant level of fixed expenses in the operations, so that as production from the hinge comes online and the historical Rice Lake mine is further developed, the resultant top-line gains should translate directly to the bottom-line improvement, end of quote. Uh, Well, I'd like to ask you then, Dale, to what extent was the higher-grade hinge material responsible for this improved operating uh, performance during the third quarter?
6: Well, it was, uh, in terms of ounces, it was probably half of our production. Mm -hmm. And um, in terms of tons, I'd say about a quarter. And so that just reflects the higher grade the higher quality material that's coming from the hinge and the fact that it you know it takes less uh tons of this higher quality material to impact and so we just expect that as we build up um our production you know from the hinge and from rice white mine and then going further possibly from l13 and 007 and other zones that we have that uh you know, it just just we anticipate it that it'll uh, get better and better. Basically,
4: well, Dale, um, the uh, just I guess the L thirteen and the O O seven are those parallel zones that are very high grade zones that are parallel with the hinge zone. Is that right? Yeah,
6: they're they're along the sort of trend of uh, zones that we've defined and. Um, in our, in a, you know, in our geological model, mm-hmm. and
4: uh, like these are these are recent discoveries you've made though after the after the hinge discovery is that right?
6: Yeah, they're there, there are discoveries we made this year after the hinge. So right in total in total we've made uh, three very high grade discoveries, basically from this year on top of the hinge zone. So mm-hmm. L thirteen Cohiba and Double O Seven. And the, the thing is, as you can see from the hinge, that we have the ability to fast-track these things into production. And so we
4: intend to do that with, with the other zones as well. Um, that's the, yes, and let me ask you, Dale, how many tons are you putting through the mill uh, per day right now, and what is your capacity there?
6: Currently we're putting through about 750 tons per day. as a snapshot and growing. Um, the mill's capacity is 1,250 tons per day currently, and we do have a plan to increase that uh, approximately to about 1,800 tons or or greater, and we plan to do that over the next uh, two years.
4: So if you were to, to push that from 700 to 750 tons a day up to the capacity now, what would that do to the economics? Of your project, uh, and assuming that you have, what would be your mix then also between the high grade hinge and the lower grade underground, uh, material that you were mining before?
6: Well, I mean, um, grade is the biggest, uh, has the the most effect on our economics, but, but volume wise, if we, if we increase to, uh, to our mills capacity, then, you know, we're bringing our, milling costs down from about $20 a ton to about $15. Um, all that fixed cost just gets spread out through higher higher volumes. And so it's really quite dramatic.
4: What What do you figure your mix is going to be then, finally, Dale, as you start to ramp up here between the hinge or, say, the various higher-grade near-surface new discoveries and the lower-grade uh, underground material that you had been mining in the past?
6: Well, I, we we see it going from about 50-50 in terms of ounces, like from the higher grade uh, combined with, with the deeper ore from the Rice Lake mine. And that, we could, see, uh, we could see the Rice Lake mine portion drop to about a third, and so we'd have kind of two-thirds of the, the higher grade material come in versus uh, one-third of the the right-slate material.
4: Is it possible, Dale, to say what sort of average grades? It's probably premature to say because you're really just exploring and developing some of these higher-grade deposits now. But do you have a sense of what sort of average grade, if you did a one-third from from deeper, uh, from the old uh, structure, and two-thirds from the recently discovered deposit, what your average grade might be?
6: <clears throat> yeah, well, if we got into that mix, we'd be looking at uh, moving our average grade from 10-ish uh, grams per ton or, or 0.3 ounces per ton up to, well, getting into the 0.4 to 0.5 ounce per ton range.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And that would really uh, help the economics very considerably, wouldn't
1: it?
6: Well, oh, it would. Uh, you know, at 0.3, they're... The economics are quite good as as it is. I mean, you're talking about uh, you know in Canadian dollars, you're talking about four hundred dollar rock mm-hmm. per ton. You're you're basically making increasing the grade. You're taking it from four hundred dollars to six seven hundred dollars per ton, and our oh. mining costs on a per ton basis are around one hundred. So that's the kind of margin we're talking about.
4: Wow, that's very impressive. So, it seems to me that when, how soon do you think you might be able to start showing a bottom line profit? You have an operating profit this last quarter. When do you think you might break into the black and actually start to show some bottom line earnings?
6: Well, I, I, I believe that, um uh, this quarter will, it'll be tight to get, uh, more than an operating profit, but we'll, we should be in an off, you know, profit, op, uh, operating profit and a little bit better than we were the third quarter and then essentially the full year next year we should be uh, possible right across the board.
4: You should be showing a bottom line net income next year. That's correct, yeah. And then continuing to explore and develop. Um, and you said you might push your tonnage up to how far, 1,700? or
6: seventeen? We don't know the exact number we're doing the studies right now, but between 1,700 and uh, 2,000 tons per day.
4: Okay. And Dale, do you, what about your balance sheet? Do you have any debt? Zero debt. And any hedged, Uh, uh, gold sold forward hedged uh, into the future?
6: Nothing. No, no hedge, no debt.
4: So shareholders are going to gain the upside from gold if we continue to uh, continue on in this gold bull market?
6: Absolutely. Yeah. That's the way we position ourselves from day one.
4: Well, it certainly sounds like you've got things going in the right direction. Mother Nature has been good to you, too, of course. uh, But uh, I can recall when I visited your property, your geologist telling me that he thought that somewhere along the line, there was another Red Lake there, Red Lake Deposit being being the the company maker for Gold Corp. And he says, it's just a matter of finding it. Well, you come out with some absolutely phenomenal numbers that look as as close to anything that we've seen at Red Lake, I believe, that amazing 52.2-ounce-per-ton intercept over 6.9 feet on the 007. Any sense of, of what that means? I mean, it's very difficult for investors to know what one drill hole means, but what does that mean to you?
6: Well, what it, what it means, I mean, to go out and find that high a number in a brand-new zone near surface, Absolutely unheard of. It's the only thing that comes close is the Red Lake deposit of, you know, which Gold Core runs in Red Lake, Ontario. But that's down at between 6 and 8,000 feet deep. Yeah. We found this at 500 feet deep.
4: That's amazing.
6: And so, you know, and gold is notoriously variable. So that, you know that's at the high end of the spectrum of anything you're going to find anywhere, um, so we don't. You know we don't expect we're going to get averages anywhere near there. But what it shows us is that it's it's going to be high grade, and it's and it's going to be near surface or it's just starting out, and it's in a whole new area now.
4: Well, it is a very exciting story, Dale. unfortunately we don't have any more time right now. We've got to move on to our next segment. But I thank you so much for sharing that with us. Your website is Sandgold. What is it, sandgold.com?
6: It's uh, sandgoldcorp.com.
4: Sandgoldcorp.com, dot com. So investors can go there. Of course I cover the company in my newsletter, talk about sandgold on a regular basis, so that's another way that you can get an independent view of Sandgold. Uh, it's been one of my best picks, no doubt. Well, percentage wise, not yet. We picked it up at a dollar twenty-seven back in two thousand and six. We've had some that have been much bigger winners than that, but I don't think I've had anything, any company in the past that has had a fifty-two, a fifty-two ounce per ton uh, intercept over such a, a wide um, intercept as that. So, anyway, Dale, thanks again for sharing your uh, your information with our listeners, and I hope to have you back again sometime soon. Keep up the good work, and we'll. Look to talk to you in the near future.
6: Okay, thanks, Jay. Anytime.
4: Thank you very much. Uh, that's it for uh, for this uh, segment. We're going to move on to uh, the next segment, and in, a, in a couple of seconds here, we're going to have Bob Hoy is going to tell us about what his views are on the market. You know, today I actually sold some of my gold shares, a lot of my gold shares. I didn't sell any fangold Gold, and there were a couple of other companies I did not sell any shares of. But I'm very concerned that we're ready for a very major decline in the equity markets. And uh, we're going to hear what Bob Hoy has to say. Let's see if he agrees with that or not. Bob has some very, very important things to say about gold mining, and we're going to pick his brains on that as well. In just a minute, we'll be right back. Don't go away.
3: know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters.
1: Apollo Gold is a gold-producing and exploration company that recently brought the brand-new Black Fox Mine into production. Apollo's 100% owned Black Fox Mine is located in the world-renowned gold-producing district of Timmins, Ontario, Canada. It's expected to produce over 100,000 ounces of gold annually. Apollo Gold also has tremendous potential for additional gold discovery as they continue their current exploration program on their recent new discovery at the Gray Fox property, which is adjacent to the Black Fox Mine, as well as its new land acquisition of pipe river with gold prices near an all-time high investors should consider apollo gold as an outstanding opportunity to invest in an undervalued junior gold mining company well positioned to take advantage of a full gold market apollo gold trades on the new york stock exchange under the ticker symbol agt and on the toronto stock exchange under the ticker symbol apg visit apollo's website at www.apollogold.com apollo gold a golden opportunity for investment When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
2: Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard.
3: Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks, at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program.
4: Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Our special guest this week is Bob Hoy, who's making his third appearance on our show since we began back in March uh, March 24th, our very first show. Uh, we had Ed Griffin on, and then um, not too long after that, we had Bob Hoy for the first time. We had him a second time, and now this is... He's our first uh, special guest. That's been here for three times. Bob provides an investment advisory service for institutional investors and, I guess, probably wealthy individuals as well. His college degree was in geophysics. I believe that's correct, Bob. And
7: yeah, I went into mining exploration work and,
4: and he, made and the mistake of making of money on the first stock really I ever bought, in, in analyzing the markets. Yep. Good um, to be with you, Jay. You are you know, in analyzing, looking at your work, and I read it religiously every week, everything you put out, uh, you've been especially good at ferreting out the rhymes and the rhythms uh, of the historical market patterns, I think. I don't know of anybody that does that better than you. Um, You really bring with you, you know, a lot of this information. I mean, going back, you know, history always, they say history uh, repeats but not in the same way, right? But somehow you're able to go back and look at patterns and and very predictably uh, you know, let your readers know what to look for and what to anticipate. And most of the time, if you're not right by the exact day, you're right more or less in, in the direction of things, and you get it pretty close to being right most of the time. So really glad to have you back.
7: Jay, good to be with you. And uh, one of the features of uh, these great big financial manias is that They're all the same, and the first big one was recorded with the South Sea Bubble in 1720, and then there were five uh, to 1929, and then the blowout in 2007-2008 makes the the sixth great mania.
4: Well, Well, Bob, let me just interrupt for a second. You say they're all the same, and yet that's not what most people see. Most people think there's no... they don't see the similarities at all. How are you able to see the similarities when... You know, we're always, always told that this time it's different.
7: Yeah, uh, most people haven't done the the historical. Uh, they're they're like if you t- uh, talk about academics, Bernanke, these people. You talk about conservatives, economists like Friedman. You talk about the Keynesians. V- mm-hmm. Their world uh, begins and ends in the nineteen twenties and the early nineteen thirties. Mm-hmm. So then, all I've done was look at all of the great booms in the past, and the evidence is there in many cases with charts, graphs. You know, uh, people kept uh, trading desk blotters, for example, in the Great Boom of 1825, so you've got interest rates going back. But what I'd like to do is, for your listeners, point out what gold does consistently in these great booms.
4: And well, I really want to get to that, Bob. What I'd like you to do, if you can is talk a little bit about those great booms, starting with the first one, I think, was 1720. Could you tell us something about that one and then the subsequent ones?
7: Yeah, it uh, was the South Sea Company in England, and it was the Mississippi Company in France, so it was, so to speak, a global boom. And it was hypothecated on great wealth. It was a time of easy money, and uh, it uh, ran up until, oh, May and June of 1720, when the excesses exhausted speculators, and then there were an immense crash. The other thing is that, for example, uh, people are quite concerned now about the U.S. uh, printing presses. Uh, We should point out that in France, in Paris, John Law was the first really reckless central banker, and he had his own special bank set up, and he had eight printing presses running in Paris. Printing currency, and when the market broke, the whole game was over in England. they were on a bimetallic standard, and uh, they weren't printing money, so to speak, but the carry trade uh, from the Bank of England uh, fixed at five percent, and you could get twenty percent on the other side so it was a credit bubble, the other was funded by printing press
4: that was the, that was the seventeen twenty episode yeah. And so it was a credit expansion. So even though law was printing money like mad, and you had this carry trade thing going on, it was a. Eventually, it collapsed. Did it not? Yeah. And we and had it, that uh, deflationary it had event. was the
7: beginning of a great depression. And, and,
4: and then a it repeated. Event. You had them in. I'll give you the dates: seventeen seventy two,
7: eighteen twenty five, eighteen seventy three, nineteen twenty nine, two thousand and seven.
4: Okay, 2007 is what is where you mark the beginning of the current contraction. Yeah. Okay. So in each of these events, um, well, could you tell us a little bit about the 1772 event? Where did what?
7: We're well, what that of the time the big thing? player was the uh, the comp- East India Company. Uh, there was uh, a lot of minor stocks floated, and as I say, Jay, once mm-hmm. you've seen one, you've seen them all. Mm -hmm. and they go uh, parabolic. Uh, You have skewed growth curves. This is why if you use macroeconomics and you've got all the data from 1929, Mm -hmm. you would not forecast the the great uh, contraction because Mm -hmm. it's beyond computer modeling. But I think we should turn to what the price of gold does during these great bubbles. And if you take the price of gold and divide it by the consumer price index, it shows a pattern of the real price of gold going down during the boom. Mm -hmm. And this makes sense because you see the real price of gold is money. And during a financial mania, the price of all assets gets marked up, so the purchasing power of gold and money goes down. And then once the boom is over, one of the marks of the beginning of the contraction is that the real price of gold starts to go up. And uh, it's done it in all of them. And in, the, in our own example, for exa- uh, in this case, the uh, real price, as we do it, which you, the calculation of the U.S. Uh, Consumer Price Index is somewhat suspect. So mm-hmm. we turned to using our own commodity index uh, about a decade ago, and we wanted it to be similar to the uh, Economist All Items uh, Index, and it has been. So it had what we called a cyclical low. At 14three in May of 2007, and as you recall, that is when the credit crisis started, when the yield curve began to change, credit spreads began to widen, and all with that, you had the real price start up. It's fallen in every post-bubble contraction in history, and it did so this time, uh, and sorry, rose in every post-bubble contraction in history. Mm-hmm. And it rose to 519 in the worst of the panic in February of this year. And when it turned up, it was about three weeks before the panic finished. And in effect, the real price going down mm-hmm. was anticipating the release from the crash. So you had uh, it continued down, too. And, and as long as with the revival of stocks, bonds, uh, and commodities. It was expected to go down, and it continued down until August, uh, late August uh, of this year at 310. By September, it had turned up, and uh, when it established the uptrend, that then began to anticipate the next credit concern, and I think this has arrived now. Uh, You had Abu Dhabi have a little problem there a couple of weeks ago.
4: Where is the index right now, Bob? Your latest it's, uh, calculation? It's
7: recovered. It's up to four hundred, which is kind of nice. Mm-hmm. And in the big scope of things, Jay, the rising real price of gold is telling you that that the profit margins for gold miners is improving. They're they're staying ahead of their costs. Mm-hmm. And so you've now had, if you go back to the spring of of two thousand and seven, you're you're coming up to two and three quarter years of improvement, basic improvement in the real price. So this is building in a profitability into the gold mining industry that's not been fully discounted, for example, by the, uh, the, 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 the senior uh, senior gold miners. But then that's been impaired by time, from time to time by problems in the stock market. So our view was that by near the end of the year, there'd be another uh, wave of credit concerns, which seems to have started. This is starting to bring the stock market down, and it'll probably be, well, it's already started to bring down senior gold shares, so somewhere early in the new year, we'd have a terrific opportunity to buy the whole gold share spectrum um, based on that perhaps the rest of the year, next year, would be a terrific party in the sector. There'd be, oh, takeovers of, of from biggies to middle-sized companies there'd be big companies coming into exploration companies so we look at it as perhaps the equivalent of small caps in 1994 on the start of the tech bubble
4: so you're seeing a real a real bull market i mean is this the last phase of a of a major gold bull market that arguably started back in 2002 or 2003
7: yeah well that's if you look at the uh, at the nominal price
4: mm-hmm. yeah but
7: if you look at the real price the start was in 07
4: mhm only in '07, and,
7: and typically the real price goes up for th- the first three or four years of the contraction. Mm-hmm. Then you get a business cycle recovery, and then the the real price retreats a little. But generally, these uh, periods uh, post bubble contractions with the price of gold going up lasts for about twenty years. So we're only a
4: couple of years into it. So you're extremely bullish on the mining shares right now
7: uh going forward yeah right now i'm and in the near short, term right now, so you expecting i'm sorry right now i'm short a few things mm-hmm. a few gold mining companies uh, mainly because they got overbought so but on the lo- on beginning sometime in the first quarter we'd expect uh, uh the next really big leg of the bull market for gold the gold sector to begin
4: okay well bob i look at your index your gold to commodities index was at 140, I think you said, if I remember. One. A few minutes. One,
7: at one, the bottom in
4: 2007. Yep. And to 400 now—that's a heck of an increase in value oh, yeah. gold vis-a-vis commodities.
7: Yeah, and it represents those who are mining gold mm-hmm. uh, a more favorable profitability because they hey they're way ahead of their costs, and then also in a contractionary period uh, historically. Uh, base metals uh, c- uh suffer mm-hmm. and miners are laid off so then there's the, uh, the availability of mining labor for gold mining the cost of blasting uh cost of power is reflected by the price of crude oil mm-hmm. and gold has been handsomely outperforming crude oil so hey it's it's the good world
4: well i can i can um, you know i can tell you i'm very much in agreement uh with that i I know in talking to Dale Ginn, who was our guest on the first segment of this show uh, in two thousand and seven when I was up visiting the mine in Manitoba, their biggest problem was getting labor at that time you know the uh, the base metals were were on fire or the base metal prices yeah. were going yeah. up. but after the Lehman brothers collapse last year, Dale tells me that he has no problem getting miners good quality miners. his energy costs have come down a lot and and yeah. generally materials costs have come down a lot so what you're saying is very much confirmed by the real world that I live in as I look at mining companies that I recommend in my newsletter on a regular basis. Yep. I have no, no problem seeing that come true, and this is something you've been talking about well, for the last several years.
7: Well, one of the things I should point out with is that in the, the late 1920s, the price of gold in U.S. terms was fixed at $20.67 an ounce. The 28-29 boom was on, so the costs for mining gold were going up. Homestake was the senior major producer, and uh, their earnings went down. As a matter of fact, they reported a loss in 1929.
8: Mm-hmm.
7: The stock came down with the stock market. It wasn't a big player on the upside, but you could have bought the stock for, say, oh, 30 thirty dollars through the first half of 1930, the price of gold was fixed at $20.67 an ounce. At the end of 1932, before Roosevelt was anywhere near touching the price of gold, Mm -hmm. it was still $20.67 an ounce, but their earnings were up something like 130%, Wow! and the stock was up like 130%. And I want to emphasize this, Jay. Mm -hmm. There was no change in the nominal price of gold.
4: That's very interesting. You know, I think this is why I, you know, I continue to tell people. And thanks to you, Bob, because I read your material. I've gotten this insight from you. I give you the credit. But I tell people in the in the speeches that I make at mining conferences that they should forget the, the nominal price of gold and keep their eye on the real price of gold because that's what really matters. Do you agree that's with that? For, then
7: that's I? for investors. If if you want to trade gold against U.S. dollars or gold against Canadian dollars or gold wow. against euro,
3: go ahead and do
7: it, but mm-hmm. don't think that it has much to do with what's going on in the investment side of the gold industry. Mm -hmm. The investment side is, is it profitable or isn't? And even then, the real price uh, impacts on a a mineral deposit.
4: Sure, absolutely.
7: Because you do your reserve calculation based on a certain cost. Absolutely. And if the real price is going up, that that enhances either the calculation of the reserve or the size of the reserve. It depends on which way you go about it. So, it's hey, Jay, it's the real world that counts.
4: Well, it, it definitely is the real world that counts. And getting back to the real world, as I look at these charts that you presented in your newsletter, uh, going back at these various episodes, uh, the 1720, and I'm looking at from the time the credit ex- uh, contraction began, we see the, price, the real price of gold went up. All the way through the next four years or so, dramatically, yeah. it might have oh, yeah. gone up beyond that, but that's how far you show on your chart.
7: Yeah, that chart only shows the three or four years going into the end of a bu- uh, the peak of a bubble, and the three or four years that followed. Mm-hmm. But in each case, it it right. was a tw- tw- at least a twenty year bull market for the real price
5: mm. following
7: wow. the bubble, end of the bubble. Well, so this is where here, you know, I mean, so from. On this basis, two thousand and seven, you can count out twenty years of of relatively good times for gold mining. The business cycle will continue, so you 'll have a three of, you know you have three or four years of contraction on, on this mess now, then there'll be a business cycle recovery a couple of years that would set the price back and then you know, so that 's the way it goes where each of the recoveries in the business cycle are weaker than any of the recessions. Well, this is amazing, nothing...
4: Bob, because re- you, know, you were saying a moment ago that in 1929, Homestake, I think you said Homestake, lost money. And I'm thinking back in 2007, I think it was in 2007, when gold first pierced $1,000 in nominal terms, and we saw shrinking gold mining profit margins. And I think maybe Newmont and some of those companies actually reported losses or very skimpy profits anyway. So if yeah. you compare 2007 with 1929 in this cycle?
7: Yeah, you could do that. It was the, the, the gold mining was not the beneficiary of the boom. Mm-hmm. The gold mining is always the beneficiary of the bust. Mm-hmm. And you also in, in in the in the in nineteen thirties you had it was a ve- you know you can't get any records on some of the junior exploration stocks then. But a long time ago in the nineteen seventies, I met a guy who was sort of a warm up for uh, then a major promoter in Canadian mining stocks and. This guy was older and he very dapper dressed and he had been in the penny mining stock business in in Montreal in the early 1930s and I said, "Hey, what did the juniors do?" He says, "We were making so much money doing so much business in juniors that one of my bigger clients bought me a, 19, a brand new 1934 Ford Roadster." <laughs>
4: That's very interesting. My good friend Ian Gordon has done some research and went back and, and realized how much money went into the mining fields in eastern Canada, up in Ontario and Quebec, during the 1930s. It was amazing. Oh, and it, it's yeah. because of this profit, uh, the real price of gold that you're talking about.
7: People know about it. And your your great gold rushes, uh, such as 1895, 1897 with the Klondike, and then also in very, uh, other places, they have occurred at the at the depression bottom, when the real price is very high, and there's high unemployment. So guys go looking for gold, and that was the case in the 1840s uh, with the California discoveries, and uh, so and I got a record of them back to 1688 on in Brazil at the Rio Preto or whatever they called it, gold rush. So although It's terrible times for the most people in a long contraction. It's very good times for the gold mining people.
4: Uh, Bob, you mentioned uh, the senior mining companies could get clocked here with the general equity market. You're assuming that we're in a bear market for general equities. That's one question. Then, secondly, if that's the case, you think the seniors are going to get hit hardest, and what about the juniors? Are they going to take their lumps before they come back as well?
7: Yeah, the... uh, terrific post-bubble rebound. In 1930, the Dow made a rebound of 50% of its loss, and then a few weeks ago, the Dow managed to get slightly better than 50% retracement, and then everything started heading south. So this then would be marked as, as a post-bubble crash rebound, of which it looks like it's starting to roll over here now. Mm-hmm. And, uh that would mark the beginning of the next phase of troubles. Um, there are plenty of excesses in the credit markets that have to be wrung out of the system. You've got commercial real estate, whereas the last three years all the talk has been residential. So you've got commercial property, industrial property. You've got a lot of problems yet to go.
4: So uh, we've got state governments are broke. <laughs> Our state governments are broke. Uh, yeah, Meredith well, I Whitney see, pointed out today that uh, Bloomberg, uh, that Moody's uh,
7: is uh, talking that uh, the ratings for y- United States and Britain are tentative.
4: Yes, and uh, the you know the, the, ratings are in jeopardy. They didn't
7: really say we're going to cut, knock the ratings down, but they're saying that they're a little concerned.
4: Meredith Whitney was saying this morning that. One and a half trillion dollars of, of consumer credit has been taken away, and there's going to be another I think she said up to two point seven she estimates by next year. Yeah. It's hard to see inflation rearing its ugly head here yet yet we're hearing a lot of people complain and worry about that, a lot of the gold bugs, but you don't agree with that, I take it Hello you, you don't agree with that, Bob.
7: Uh, credit is credit. I missed you there for how. No, no, in terms
4: but, of inflation, you don't see an inflationary problem. Oh, yeah. I said it's hard yes. to see inflation coming with those conditions.
7: No, we should go back to the classical description of inflation, which is an an inordinate expansion of credit, which can be is accompanied by rising prices of financial, <laughs> financial assets. Mm-hmm. Then every credit expansion has been followed by a credit contraction. So. Inflation is credit expanding, deflation is credit contraction, and it's very powerful stuff, and it takes prices with it. So prices go up, everybody gets leveraged, and then when the prices start down, the power shifts over to the margin clerks, and they have immense power, as we've seen last year, and uh, that's the way markets have worked since then. Okay. Since the late 1600s.
4: Okay, Bob. I have one more question. We're just about out of yeah. time. We have got a minute here. I want to ask you this. You have always said that in these great contractions, these great, you know, five previous credit contractions, you see the senior currency becoming the strongest currency. In this case, I think the first four were UK centric, were you, you know, the yeah. United Kingdom, and the last one, the 1930s, was U.S. dollar centric. This one, of course, the U.S. dollar is the world's reserve currency. Do you see the dollar getting stronger now? And if you do, I would say that you're in agreement with another guest we've had on this show a number of weeks ago, Robert Prechter. What do you say?
7: Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, the phrase we use is that uh, in the contraction, the senior currency becomes uh, strong, relatively strong, to most currencies and most commodities for most of the time. And what happens is that at the t- uh, at the top of a boom everybody's leveraged. The most liquid currency is the senior, so most of the debt is leveraged in dollars, and then that becomes a huge position of hot stories leveraged against short dollars. So the stories turn cold, people start covering their debt.
4: They cover their and, shorts, in essence. Yeah. Forcing, so the demand for the senior currency is, is overwhelming and drives the value up relative yeah, to I other Yeah, I think currency. it's the
7: biggest short position in history. Mm-hmm. And what you have here is that for the last couple of months, the dollar index the dx has been in what we call a sequential buy pattern mm-hmm. and then until recently, all it needed was for the dollar index to take a little pause, it go down to what seventy four and a half and then getting above seventy five and a half would mark the conclusion of the sequential buy pattern that has been done this week, and now we're looking for an intermediate advance in the dollar index just based on fundamentals. Or I mean sorry mm-hmm. on the technical analysis. And it seems to have started. It's uh
4: But it longer so... term you see the dollar getting stronger here over the next several years? Yeah. You do. Yeah. So this is why we really need to watch the real gold price then. Is is the price of gold going to go up in nominal terms, do you think? As well as real terms?
7: Oh that or is that's going to, to, to be a trading item, Jay, that you'd swing on, say in a month or five or six week positions at a time. And uh, but underneath it, the real price is going to be probably st- pretty fairly steadily rising. Mm-hmm. And then you're you know the Treasury Department, the big mining company is going to notice it every quarter. They're saying, "Hey, we're making more money," and, mm-hmm. if no matter what the price is doing. Yeah. Then of course you got the big promoter in the game, with Barrick having covered their short positions at nine hundred dollars, and now turned bullish on gold and they're out promoting it like mad.
4: Yeah. I welcome
7: them. What's that? I welcome them yeah, to becoming Bob. gold promoters after being a bear since $300.
4: Well, I hope that's not a contrarian indicator, meaning that uh, <laughs> they should be right for a while again, hopefully.
7: Well, I think it helped make the top here recently in gold, but we're just looking. On the nominal price, we're looking for a consolidation in here. Mm-hmm. It, became, it became quite excessive. Well, I guess uh, what uh, I'm
4: asking you, Bob, is is it better to buy gold or put your money in treasuries. I mean, if, if the dollar is going to gain more than, than gold going down in the collapse, which which way is it going to be? Oh, yeah. Rector, if you're Canadian Rector, yeah, would say you could buy, buy, buy paper the, and secondarily gold.
7: Yeah, you could buy the three- or four-year uh, U.S. treasury and make money on the, on the, not much on the yield, but you'd make some on the currency. But gold one should have as a safe harbor, definitely uh, in the form of bars or coins or whatever. And then one invest, in the gold mining industry in a post-bubble contraction. And uh, if you got to know some guys that want to trade gold against dollars or gold against euro, let them do it. So,
4: Okay, well, thanks, Bob, yeah. so much for your insights. They're, they're very, very welcome and very, very profitable, I might say. Again, your website is what?
7: Institutionaladvisors.com. Or <laughs> actually, I've discovered that you can just Google my name, Bob Hoy, B-O-B-H-O-Y-E, and uh, it just all comes up. And we've got good charts in there we've got uh, a page or two of, of cartoons that were timely and we try to make the website inter- interesting and informative
4: well it certainly is that folks do yourself a favor and go to institutional just, just google Bob Hoy. yeah h-o-y-e thank you very much bob for being our guest again hope to talk to you soon folks are going to be right back with chen lin and roger wegan after the break
3: Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers – Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become too 401ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit making insights via radio, TV and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit miningstocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters.
1: Apollo Gold is a gold-producing and exploration company that recently brought the brand-new Black Fox Mine into production. Apollo's 100% owned Black Fox Mine is located in the world-renowned gold-producing district of Timmins, Ontario, Canada. It's expected to produce over 100,000 ounces of gold annually. Apollo Gold also has tremendous potential for additional gold discovery as they continue their current exploration program on their recent new discovery at the Gray Fox property, which is adjacent to the Black Fox Mine, as well as its new land acquisition of Pike river with gold prices near an all-time high investors should consider apollo gold as an outstanding opportunity to invest in an undervalued junior gold mining company well positioned to take advantage of a full gold market apollo gold trades on the new york stock exchange under the ticker symbol agt and on the toronto stock exchange under the ticker symbol apg visit apollo's website at www.apollogold.com apollo gold a golden opportunity for investment America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
2: Welcome to the human.
3: Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks, at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program.
4: Welcome back. I am Jay Taylor. We don't have but just a few more minutes, so I'm going to really just turn this over to Roger and Chan. I just want to say that I'm very concerned that this market is starting to turn down now. We're having a real big down day here uh, for gold and, and virtually all the commodities and the equities as well. And but listen to what Bob Hoy had to say, keep your eye on the real price of gold, not the nominal price, the real price. What will an ounce of gold buy? That's so essential in terms of the mining industry, and it is very, very bullish right now for gold. That's my view. That's Bob Hoy's view. Roger, I want to ask you, do you think that we're in a secular bear market now, and is this the start of a major decline? And if so, do you think we'll take out the lows of March?
8: For the, for the Dow and the big stock indexes, yes, we will. In this particular correction right now, I think it's going to be a normal correction. Now, I don't think we're going to take out March lows this time, but I think that we will take them out for sure in May, June, July next
4: year. Okay. And what about gold? Where do you see gold well, going? Well, gold
8: right now is 1130 on the February uh, futures. That's most active real-time right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I expect at 1140 uh, uh, support might hold it as broken down. We've gone to a low of 1125. The next big low for gold on the futures would be uh, 1115 and then 1107. We'll just have to see where it goes. Uh, The big problem today in all the news, of course, has been credit problems with Greece and the banks.
4: Well, and if you've heard Meredith Whitney earlier today on CNBC, she was mentioning. Credit problems across the spectrum in the United States, Chen um, what do you think you have some comments about China? The Chinese are I guess a little bit upset that the Indians got all that IMF gold is that right
5: Yeah, that's correct. I mean the Chinese um, uh, central bank is just like a, you know trying to uh, talk down gold again. I think they really regret you know they got Indian got, got him first and then gold is now' almost a hundred almost a hundred dollar higher than what India has bought. So they make, make them look very bad. Uh, last year, uh, all these economists uh, was, um, you know, basically got a black eye from Chinese president. They said, you know, we spent so much money to support your research, and all your prediction on commodity was completely wrong. So now they're wrong again this year on gold. So they're very, very nervous. I think they're praying gold to go down below 1100 so they can, they can buy the rest of the gold from IMF.
4: You think the Chinese are trying to talk the price down now?
5: Exactly. They tried to do everything they could to, to talk down the gold price. Well,
4: but it's working for whatever reason today. Gold is down pretty big. I, I think this is a welcome thing because we've seen gold just rise up and up and up. So you're bullish on gold the long term, aren't you, Chen?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think uh, it will probably go much higher. Okay. $5,000 um, $5, gold eventually.
4: Okay. 5000 Okay, that's the nominal price, folks. Again, I want to. I, I believe that we need to keep our eye not just on the nominal price, but what a real price of gold will buy. If Hoy is right and some of the deflationists are right, and I don't think that Chen necessarily agrees with this, then we're going to see a much, we might see a lower than expected gold price. I don't know which way it's going to go, but I don't really care as a gold mine investor. I'm interested in knowing what the real price of gold is, how much. Can I mine profitably as we talked to Dale Ginn and, and Sandgold? Things are looking up for the mining industry, as Bob Hoy pointed out. And as I'm seeing anecdotally with companies that I cover, well, that's just about all the time we have. We really have run out of time. Next year we're going to have two hours, and we're going to have more time to talk to Roger and Chen and other guests. I just want to say you can uh, gain some low-price uh, introductory newsletters, uh, samples from Chen and Roger and myself. Call Uh, Claudio Bossi at 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426. Next week, our special guest is Dr. Hugh Ross. He's an astronomer who will comment from his point of view as a mainstream scientist why he thinks the Bible is the only religious book that has accurately recorded the creation. It's going to be a very controversial show, I'm sure, for many of you, but tune in and listen because it does have applications or implications for how we view life and markets and what government should or should not do. In closing, I want to thank the staff at Voice America, starting with Tracy Trump. I should say Tacy Trump. I always get it wrong. Tacy Trump, Senior Executive Producer, Ruben Colombe, the Operations Manager, and Travis Ortwin, my engineer, for making this show logistically possible. And thanks again to each of you for listening to this show. Until next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you.
3: Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now the thing about time is the time is
0: in real. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com.